named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. I am back. My name is Mark Oral from Love to Move. I'm joined as ever by Sam Hunter from Home Search. I'm sorry I missed last week, Sam, but I very much enjoyed listening as a fan. <laughs> Good morning uh, to you, Mark. Hello to our listeners. Uh, it is nice to have you back. Uh, I really struggled. <laughs> It's weird. <laughs> I don't, I, for, I don't yeah, think so. For a guy who spends his entire day talking and most of the time at a computer, it was different. I don't know. I'm so used to hearing, hello, it's Mark Worrell from Love to Move. <laughs> so, yeah, so it just threw me off. But I think last week was good. Your mum was excellent. Uh, she shared some point. We have some really good feedback on that show as well. So big thanks to Georgina again for joining us. And it is, as I said just 30 seconds ago, very good to have you back. What have you been up to? Well, I have, well, I've been, as you know, because of last week, balancing homeschooling and trying to run a business. Uh, that's a challenge that I know a lot of our agents are faced with as well. So um, I think it's increasingly a challenge when we both work in the business. But um, I spent each morning last week on Stephen Brown's masterclass with Daniel Spencer. So I don't know if any listeners uh, were, were on there because you don't know who else is on there. But it was a fantastic event. Um, I didn't listen every morning, but I might have now managed to listen to all of them. And the value that Stephen has brought to the estate agent. And I know you, you said last week we didn't mention the previous week. I know we mentioned him all the time. So apologies if we are like, sounding like a broken record, but I think it's well worth discussing because Daniel Spencer, the Australian real estate coach, was absolutely phenomenal. The value for money in that training session was probably amongst the best that I've ever had. Got so many takeaways um, to implement into both Love to Move and then Move and Work side of things as well. So this, oh, it was just absolutely phenomenal. And the best thing was, start the day, it was half seven till half eight. And if you watched it live or whenever you watched it, you just so full of energy, ready to you know hit the ground running. So yeah, I just, I, I, that, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been talking about ever since we started the first one on the on Monday morning. So I know friend of the show, Simon Gates was on there as well. So I'm sure he's, he's told you a little bit about it. Has he? he, he's like a puppy running around the first time that you picked him up last week. Uh, yeah, one of, one of the things that uh, sort of is unique, probably not unique to, to Simon, but like one of his best traits is that he just loves one, our industry and two learning. It's why he always puts his hand up to sub in for me. If I can't do this podcast, I think. Oh, happy um, birthday to Simon Gates. But today, yeah, why don't I do have that in my diary? Gates' birth. <laughs> uh, well, that wasn't going to be embarrassing if I didn't get him before. So we better finish this on time this morning now. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was thrilled. One that he was that he was on it, and two just with the content. Um, and just to give Stephen a quick plug because I do want to talk to you about accountability because I actually think that that was a really uh, productive and solid end to last year. Um, and now we're sort of three weeks <laughs> yeah. into the new year, so it's important to, again, but I just want to give a quick plug again to to Stephen, um, not 
because he slipped me 20 quid. But as we're recording this, he's doing his uh, breakfast learnings, shall we call them, uh, on Facebook. And he's talking to a guy called Lee Woodward, who's a real estate trainer, coach, uh, prop tech guy. Um, I used to think that I wanted to be like one of those million dollar agents when I grew up. And I'm thinking actually maybe I want to be closer to Lee Woodward when I grow up uh, <laughs> as I get a little bit older. But he's having a chat to him now. And the guy's been doing world-class agency for a really long time. Um, and yeah. I've just written down his name to get him on the pod so that we can grill him on some of his best ideas as well. But he just shared this concept of, and it was uh, Marcel uh, who, Rocha, who I think is a listener of the show as well, uh, who said to him, I, I use your live mode versus sell mode all the time. And I thought I'd take 30 seconds just to rehash that because it was one of those things where, you know, when you hear something once and it goes, oh, that's actually really good. I'm going to use it. And you don't hear it for a long time and you hear it again. You're like, that is fascinating and it would work well this live mode versus sell mode is about when you go to a valuation or you're going to a market appraisal and you're walking around the house and you can explain to your potential clients that the property in that current condition the way it's presented how everything is the smell of the home is them living there it's in live mode and so what you've yeah. got to do in preparation for hitting the market because it's so much more than just photos a sign and listing it on a portal is turn that property to sell mode. Because when people come through your house, they don't want to buy your home, they want to buy theirs. And that little piece of dialogue there is an absolute killer. Um, and if you're saying that to people all the time, you're going to get them sitting up in their chairs. You're going to get them leaning further into you over the dining room table or learn, leaning into their Zoom as you and I are doing in the remote valuation world that we currently find ourselves in. So remember live mode versus sell mode. Remember that people want to buy their house, not yours. Um, and make it all about presentation when you're on that uh, valuation, when you're in that listing meeting, when that set to sell meeting, because, you know, incredible presentation leads to incredible prices at the end of the day. So thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Lee Woodward. That was a great way to start my own day. I'm fired up. Uh, Mark, let's talk yeah. accountability. We ended last year with you, what, six weeks of consistency, you know, results starting to come in, appointments coming out your bum for the start of the year. How's it going 19 days in? Uh, it's not. <laughs> Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that on here? Yeah, it's not, basically. So um, you mentioned at the end of last year I should write a letter to uh, from whatever it was, 20th of December, Mark World, to 3rd of January, Mark World. I didn't, but I do really remember all of the feelings. And I was talking to one of our agents yesterday that listens to the show he's a couple of um episodes behind so hello Oliver and he said where are you up to with your accountability you know he actually said are you ringing me for one of your 70 calls and yesterday was probably one of the first days that I've got back and hit the phone because this balancing uh homeschool and not being in the office all of those various excuses that um I could provide have been a distraction for me in the first two working weeks of, of this year so I haven't hit the target I don't think my 70 call target is probably achievable for me at the moment but I do want to talk about the accountability piece in general and put something in place because actually I felt I, f I felt yesterday and last week that I felt like I was being really unproductive and I think it's because I'm missing that target whatever the target is hitting that target 
And it was only from speaking to Oliver yesterday and then thinking about the podcast and um, potentially talking about accountability today that I realised actually maybe that's the thing that has, has been missing. So Ray was saying to me yesterday, stop being so miserable. You know, you're walking around in a, in a grump and she's been reading the book that you bought us for, for Christmas. She was saying the vibrations are sending me all off and all this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but I think, I, think, I, think I've been, I think I've been missing the accountability. Um, so yeah, let's, let's set it up again. And then I've got, we're, we're recording, aren't we? So let's set it up. I don't know. 35 calls, 30 calls, maybe. I, um, I, I think you need to jump straight back into where you were last year. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, there's there's this like hoo-ha in uh, like performance management where it's like ruthlessly eliminate excuses and get this done, etc. And I can appreciate, uh, particularly in your with your family unit where both of you are involved in the business and you've got two young kids who are old enough to get up to no good if they're not supervised you know mine's pretty good she can just sit on the floor you know and she can't crawl away so i know exactly where she is as long as she's face up she's fine but i I also think that uh i've noticed that you perform your best when you're under a bit of pressure um and i read an interesting line last night um which was in the the book that you got me for christmas and i I took a photo of it because i was going to share it with you and i thought it's a bit late um so i won't share it now but it was uh it's from peyton manning who's like all-time quarterback uh he's played for indianapolis colts and went to the broncos uh and one of his quotes was pressure is something you feel when you don't know what the hell you're doing and i i took a photo of that because i thought to myself i don't necessarily know if i agree with that um my sort of version on that quote is pressure is something that you feel when you haven't done what you know you should have done um and so i have my best days when i get up and i just do one thing straight away whether it's drink a glass of water you know because usually drinking a glass of water leads me to go like okay cool i should probably go outside you know and going outside usually leads to a bit of exercise uh, i'm getting to the point now where i'm trying to have uh like conversations so i'm trying to call people whether they're at home or whether they're here while i'm on my run because i'm trying to practice talking and running at the same time did, 30, <laughs> did 35 minutes last week which was uh, the nice. longest i've ever talked and run uh, at once so that was quite cool um but you, you you do those tiny little things and it leads to bigger things and you end up sitting down to start your work day whenever it is that you start your work day and you feel accomplished you feel proud in yourself you're energized and so the first of those 70 calls suddenly becomes a little bit easier you know mm-hmm. because you've just done those little things so, yeah, I'm not sure if pressure is not knowing what you're doing. I think pressure is you feel it when you've not done all the things that you promised yourself at 10 o'clock at night when you're going to bed, you know, that you do. You've got those versions of yourself, you know. You're like, there's everyone has worst case themselves and that's what you think of yourself at the end of a shitty day, you know. And then there's the real you, which is doing your best. And then you have your ideal self, which is who you want to be tomorrow, you know. And the difficult thing is to be that person because you've got to make the choices. You're going to do the activities to get there. So uh, yeah, I would say don't start with 30 because that's putting a limit on you. I'd rather you make 40 calls and miss 70 than make 25 and miss 30. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like missing targets. So we'll, well, let's, let's dissect it next week. 70 is the target. We are accountable again. So let's, let's see how we, how we go. I really enjoyed that quote about um, pressure. I think that is just, that just, um, emphasizes the importance of the prep and doing the work. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we talk about um, professionals' practice before they play. It's all about doing that work before 
you know, you take to the field, whatever, in whatever format that would be. Um, so loads of interesting takeaways from various training that we've been on um, this week. A nice little um, reinvigoration on the accountability. Shall we dive in and introduce today's guest, Sam? Yeah, let's do it. Today's guest worked as a letting agent in Sheffield for 12 years before launching Vouch in 2017, along with his wife, sister-in-law and brother-in-law, a very family-orientated startup, uh, with the aim of digitizing tenant referencing, understanding the trust that agents put in tenants. Uh, our guest today has made his priority to build trust with those using his platform. Um, from the utility supplies that he recommends all the way to how his client's data is used. And he's here today to talk about property technology and how as agents we can implement technology for the benefit of the industry and how as suppliers we can build the trust required to implement said tech. Simon Tillier, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. And I do this every time. Did I say your last name right? You know what? You said it absolutely perfectly. Get no it. one ever does. So well done. Well done. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, no, no problem, Simon. Thanks very much for, for joining us. I wanted to start the discussion, um, as Sam mentioned there, really, around your choice of a business partner. I think there's a lot of agents who listen to the show who work within a family business. And I work with my mother and wife. I thought I was brave. You've taken it a stage further. So I want to just unpack that. I'd be really interested to hear how it came about. And then also what challenges you've had to overcome working together within you know that that family structure and what benefits you think it brings you as a business as well of course yeah okay yeah so uh yeah it's a bit of a strange one working so close with all your family but it's something that we've done for years so we all me my wife um my wife's sister my brother-in-law we all ran a, a letting agency we did it for 12 years worked in one room in the same room looking at each other every single day uh, and it actually it was okay a few family arguments which is fine two sisters arguing because they're allowed to that was all right um, but what it meant is actually you kind of everyone gets their opinion in. No one's really in charge, so everything was kind of a democracy, and you end up making some good, good strong decisions. Um, and we ran that business, and everyone kind of found their own roles, and that's kind of important, you know. Find your own job within it, and be allowed to do your own job, so you're not kind of getting in each other's way all the time. So, and we, we ran that pretty successfully uh, for quite a long time. Um, Vouch was kind of born through that agency though so we were on a letting agency we were using range of suppliers for different things one of those being tenant referencing um and it was constantly constantly one of our gripes that we were paying a lot of money um getting what was pretty poor service slow a bit outdated overpriced so we decided to do something about it uh it was actually my wife's idea i have to credit her with it otherwise i'll be in trouble but she basically brought it all back in house and went look we can't keep paying these bills this is crazy this is kind of the most expensive part of our business it's not working so we brought the whole process back in house and quite quickly realized that's not the right thing to do either that really is time consuming hard work slow etc so she found a kind of technical person that she knew and we put a really really naive sort of automated process together which just started picking up some of the the legwork behind it um automating some of the processes just trying to make it a little bit more efficient and we used that and we were using that in our own business for probably two or three years developing it changing it a little bit but it was okay and it worked then rumors started in the industry around tenant fee ban etc coming into the market and we quite quickly realized that hang on a minute there's an opportunity here because every agent's gonna have to look at the way they're working you know they're gonna have to look at ways of reducing costs they're gonna have to look at ways of generating new revenue so if ever we're going to put this product out there, now's the right time. And that's kind of where we went. We just literally picked it up from there and started to, to roll the product out from there. But that's where it came from, yeah. Hmm. Um, Simon, you launched as a supplier from a position of like 
intimately knowing the industry um, from that 12 years of experience? Like, How important do you think that's been to your success with Bausch so far? I think it's been absolutely kind of pivotal. Um, it's the differentiator between us and kind of everybody else out there. So in the referencing market, and it, don't get me wrong, it'd be the same in every single supplier market. Industry suppliers come from different backgrounds. And in the referencing side, it's normally kind of an insurance background. And actually, they're all owned by insurance companies and they do tenant referencing to generate leads to sell insurance products. Fine, great, we know it happens, that's all right. But in reality, that doesn't really work day to day for letting agents. So our strength was to come at it from a completely other angle. Let's come at it from a letting agent point of view. Let's build and develop and deliver a product that letting agents want. And then if you want the benefits of the insurance, et cetera, after it, then they're there anyway, it's fine. So the way we've kind of, especially early doors when we were growing it, the way we could talk to letting agents, where we could go and speak to them in their own language, they kind of knew exactly what we were talking about. Um, a lot of compliments have come from the platforms when people look at it to say, God, I can tell you guys are agents, it actually makes sense. So all the little things that other people don't think about, they're the things that you think about because they're the things that you deal with day in, day out. So yeah, really, really, really key. Um, it also helped us in terms of credibility. So early doors, we were always kind of ALA members as, as agents and we worked quite closely with those guys and we took our product to them right from the start and got kind of endorsed and became one of their kind of preferred suppliers straight from the off, which when you're launching a new product into the market and no one knows who you are, if you can say, well, actually, look, we're accredited by ALA, it gets you through the door. And that, that made a massive, massive difference and it had a big impact on our business. So yeah, being, a, being from in the industry, definitely, definitely was a bit of a game changer. Yeah, I, I can completely agree in that there's, there's all this talk about prop tech and it's solving solutions that, that don't exist. So as an agent who has created a business, uh, like a supplier business as well, I think it is absolutely pivotal. Those little understandings that outside people don't have of our industry. I actually met Jamie, I don't know if you know this, I actually met Jamie at one of, I think one of the first um, all the road shows, maybe September 2017. We both just launched. She, she, she was business. telling me this morning. She said, "Who are you doing this podcast with?" And I said, "Look, she went, I've met him. I've met him. Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I didn't know if she would remember. So happy days. Um, great. Yeah. Um, really interesting about the family business there um, and knowing that that position. But uh, if you've worked in our industry, then you know I think that a lot of agents can be can be quite traditional. So, what challenges have you had to overcome? when you've been implementing, digitizing a traditional process in referencing? And what advice can you give anyone that might be struggling to implement any tech into the business as yeah. an agent, really? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, and it, and it has been difficult and it has been a challenge. There's kind of two different sets of agents out there. There's the kind of more entrepreneurial-based, forward-thinking agent, really easy, people get it, people are happy to look at new ideas. Mm. And then you've got, like you say, the more kind of traditional agent. Um, and that's where it's been harder to get them to understand our process and our product. I mean, we go out at a price point that's crazy. It's 65% cheaper than everyone else. So people go straight away go, whoa, 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 you can't be delivering the service and the quality for that sort of price. But you can, you've just got to explain how it's done. So the way we've always gone about it is we just talk to people and say, well, just have a look. We're not trying to challenge you with anything. We know you've got your process. You know you might be happy with it, but give us 20 minutes of your time. Let's just show you our product. Take a look at it. If it's not for you, then it then it isn't for you. So we've never kind of tried to enforce it on anybody. We've just tried to show them why it's better, the angle that we've come from, especially kind of being from an agent, the little tweaks and changes that we've made and how actually just because you've been using a product or a system for a long time and you've always liked it, it doesn't mean that the world hasn't changed and there aren't better things out there. 
on that note, uh, the little tweaks and change. So I've, I think the three of us probably have quite similar backgrounds where we've built stuff based on our experience. Um, and the really interesting thing is uh, the moment you put something out there that you think is uh, quite intuitive based on 12 years experience, uh, et cetera, you then get fed a, a really good idea from somebody else who sees the picture similarly to you, but they might've just done one or two different brushstrokes. How uh, useful has feedback been to you guys since sort of going along this journey? Uh, absolutely vital. And we've, we've always, yeah. always asked our agents to give us feedback and we still do now. In, in the early days when we first launched this product, God, we went to market back end of 2018, I think 2017. Um, and we had kind of a handful of customers and we were kind of almost making it up as we go along. We thought mm -hmm. we thought we knew it all. We thought we built the perfect product. You know anything you know we just it just fitted the way we worked so we were literally making changes live changes behind the scenes all day every day our tech guys pulling their hair out because we were going no this that change change yeah that still goes on it's just now a lot more organized you know as you get more customers you've got to put a process in place you've got to plan rollouts you've got to plan developments and changes but still now we constantly survey and asking our customers right what else do you need what else do you want what else is part of it and um, i don't know if you guys know but we we merged earlier this year with good lord um one of the reasons we did that was on feedback from our customers we found that we built this kind of referencing product that sits and kind of solves a pivotal problem in the in the lettings process but actually people want more they want an end-to-end -end journey they want money being taken they want contracts they want compliance documents etc so from our point of view we were going well hang on a minute do we start building this or do we go and find kind of the people who are doing the best at the moment and see if we can work together. So that's kind of where our merger came from, off customer feedback saying we need more of it. So we now plug ours into a longer journey for those customers who want to deliver and, and use that part of it. So yeah, feedback's absolutely key. And if, if you don't listen to your customers, then you're completely naive and you're building a product that you think they want and they don't. And, and it won't probably work. won't have many. Yeah. Correct. Correct. I, yeah. Um, there are plenty of people who are doing that. Yeah. Lots of them. I will um, caveat that I asked that question thinking that I knew what the answer would be. Um, but there's a lesson in there for everybody who's listening to this, who is, you know, a, a, an aspiring world-class agent. And it's that it's not just prop tech suppliers that should ask for feedback. Everybody should ask for feedback with current clients, past clients, people you want business with. In our business, we ask people why they didn't sign up for us because there's so mm -hmm. many lessons to be learned there as well. And you can refine that pitch. You know, I think your pitch is perfect and it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Just ask lots of questions and listen. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, you can stay friends and move on to the next person. If you're an agent and you're listening to this and you're wondering how can I change my business on the 19th of January to have an amazing 2021, it's pick up the phone and ask people, what could I have done better? Even if yeah. you've got them a record price and they've exchanged in eight weeks in the busiest market in the world and you couldn't have got them a penny more, they'll tell you something. They'll give you useful feedback. You know, it's not just people who are providing technology and trying to win trust and need to ask those questions. It's everybody. That loop is the single biggest driver of your business moving forward. Um, I did mention trust there, and it's something that I want to ask you about because I think um, you guys have been around a relatively, <clears throat> excuse me, short period of time, but you're one of those businesses where no one has a bad word to say about you. Um, and I think that that is a credit to the team uh, that you have is probably uh, speaks volumes of the product as well. Um, but, you know, when we were sort of talking about doing this podcast, one of the main things that um, we wanted to speak about was suppliers building trust with the market, with their technology. You sort of touched on it before that you got your ALA accreditation. You guys have that experience in the past. Um, but 
I'm, I'm interested to know, you guys sort of talk about how trust has to work on both sides, you know? So how is it that suppliers, new or old, can build trust with their product before the market enters in and uses them? And then how can agents actually use that technology then to build trust with their marketplace? Yeah, okay. So, again, yeah, so we've mentioned the kind of the accreditation and the background and all that sort of stuff. And that, and that really, really has helped in building the initial trust. But then in terms of our kind of products and our process, then one key thing is we don't try and sign anyone to a contract. We don't try and tie anybody down to anything. It, everything's about being fair. So we say to people, look, just give it a go. If you want to use it, you can use it. There's no commitment. You know, just tell us in a month you don't want it. It's fine. We'll turn it off. So that's been kind of key because people are obviously nervous. They're obviously wary about being tied into things. Like we talked about, there's so many different pieces of PropTech out there. All want to take your money off every month. So being fair with people in terms of the kind of payment and commitment side definitely, definitely helped. Um, but then, like, again, what we've talked about there was asking for feedback, asking for their help, that helps build trust. You know, it, it, we're not trying to say, look, we are the gold standard. We know everything about this. You don't know anything. Listen to us, ours is the right way. We're saying, well, what do you want us to do? We're building a product for you, be involved in it. And that gets you more kind of trust than anything. You know, we've got some some really, really loyal customers who get, do anything for us. You know, give us a review, shout out, stand up for us on social media, whatever. And that's just because we've just tried to do the right thing by them. So it just comes down to a normal life. You'd be fair with other people and they'll be fair with you, you know, whether you're dealing with someone's house that you're trying to sell for them, if as long as you're honest and upfront, you know, things go wrong. People make mistakes. Errors happen. Absolutely do. It's about kind of how you deal with it and, and how you get over it. So, yeah, we, we literally, our business kind of ethos in terms of our staff, everything is just treat each other how you'd like to be treated and work how you'd like to work. So we don't try to be militant or brutal with anybody and we don't do it in our business. So. Um, it just seems to work and it's, it's brought us a lot of kind of loyalty through through that. Very good. And what about um, in the agency side of things then, then, Simon? Because I think that there's probably a lot of that that is transferable um, to agents. But um, you can't say vouch with this, by the way. So I'm, I'm really um, interested to talk about, as an estate agency owner or as a letting agency owner, you might have more, more experience with. If you're operating as a business if you're opening a business sorry tomorrow what three pieces of tech would you implement into that business and why oh dear that's a good question that's a good question um the so in terms of kind of the traditional agency market and anybody who thinks they're going to come out of this pandemic and kind of open their doors and operate the way they used to operate they're not you know that's kind of done the world the world's definitely changed so I won't name any names, but you've got to, you've now got to get that kind of customer experience, that customer journey part of it. Absolutely right. People need instant answers. They want instant information. Um, the world of kind of video viewings, tours, all that stuff is, is definitely here to stay. And anybody who's not using it is absolutely crazy because the world's now ready for it. And let's cut out a load of legwork. So I'd be looking at the right kind of messaging and communication in the first place friendly, uh, getting people onto the right journey, getting them involved, giving them what they need in terms of inf access to information, the right kind of easy platforms to start with, because especially in the kind of house buyer market, seller buyer market, that kind of emotional journey is really, really key and people want to see it. 
Um, and then from there, it's about getting the kind of marketing piece right. It's, it's so much more available now and how you put properties to market. It's not just about sticking it on a portal and waiting for someone to give you a lead anymore. There's loads of other ways that are really easy and really cheap to go to market and go to market really well. So I'll be focusing really, really heavily on that side of it as well. Very good. Um, I think that makes a hell of a lot of sense, um, particularly uh, I don't think enough agents still focus on the customer journey. You know, people do expect a response at 10 o'clock at night um, because they get it from Amazon or because mm -hmm. they get it from Deliveroo or whatever it is, you know. Um, one of my favorite things about Deliveroo is getting a notification that says your driver is on the way, you know. Imagine if uh, there was a piece of technology that said your agent's on your way. So it's not just confirming the appointment, saying really looking forward to seeing you at 4.15 this afternoon, but it's Mark Worrell's just left the office. See you in 15 yeah. minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, and you yeah. can do that with travel time calculations and where your phone is and GPS. It just takes a little bit of forethought. So mm -hmm. there's so many lessons that you can learn from just really intuitive uh, retail tech. I think that can be applied in everything that we're doing here these days. Um, I said uh, just before we started recording, I wasn't sure, Simon, if you listen uh, to the show or not, but there's a question at the end of every episode that we ask every single one of our guests. And what we do is we like to compare answers. Um, and it gives us a real baseline for, um, it's a great way of sharing, you know, people's opinions about, uh, what a state agency is to them. And so we call our show the world-class agency podcast, not because Mark and I claim to be world-class agents, but because us and our listeners are all striving towards that striving towards the best results, the best experience, the best recommendations, best technology. And so the question we ask everyone at the end of the show is what does world-class state agency look like to you? Okay. Yeah. No, good question. Um, yeah. Every high street is full of kind of big brands and famous names where people just walk down the high street and consider, oh, these are the best agent in our town. Well, just because they've had a shop in a good spot for a long time doesn't make them the best agent in your town. So the market is changing. It's, it's, it's been a bit slow, but we're definitely getting there. So it's about all the things we've probably talked about today. It's about treating that customer right from the first time you contact, you have any contact with them, um, giving them the right experience, giving them access to data instantly, giving them access to additional services. Um, and a world-class agent is definitely, definitely first and foremost around people. Always will be, always should be. But behind that, they need to be embracing technology and they need to be embracing the right technology. So finding things that are actually solving problems, actually making life easier for them and their customers um, and just delivering a, a fantastic service. And people will always buy off people and people will always buy great service. And then more importantly, they'll recommend great service as well. And that's what will turn you into a world-class agent. I couldn't agree more. I think that that is often what's lost when you talk about great services, that it scales, you know, yeah. um, and, and as much as everyone loves to make a complaint, good stories travel far as well. Uh, a great answer. I think um, from Mark and I, Simon, thank you so much from this morning. Um, I think it's been a lot of common sense, which doesn't always happen on this show, mm. um, but that, that's where you need to be. I think uh, just having a look back at the notes that I've been, writing down other than I think always asking for feedback is hugely important to me, but the sort of line, and I don't know whether it's a, a one liner that you've worked on in the past, but it's, it's what sort of made me sit deeper in my chair and straighten my back a little bit uh, was that, you know, if you're fair with other people, they're going to be fair with you. Um, and that just takes us back to everything that our parents told us when we were kids of treat people as you want to be treated. And I think in amongst, you know, a, a half an hour conversation about, property technology it comes down to that 
um, yeah, true. regardless of what you're doing. And so, yeah, from the two of us and from all our listeners, thank you. It's been really insightful. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. A massive thank you to Simon Tillier from Vouch for joining us on today's podcast. Um, I did a lot of nodding throughout that episode, Sam. I don't know about you, um, but I just said to Simon um, off air after we finished that I think we probably share a lot of similar thoughts on agency and life in general. Um, the type of guy that I think we would probably enjoy having a beer with and putting the world to rights was kind of what I, I, I thought after that. I know that you're going to want to talk about feedback and transparency. Let's let's start with that and what a simple um, theory that is about trying to get feedback from, and from an agency perspective, it's feedback from clients. And I really liked what you said actually about feedback from clients that don't use you as well as feedback from clients that, that do use you no matter how good you think the job is. So what what feedback have you taken, and let's keep this agency related rather than, than tech for a minute, what feedback have you taken over the years that you wouldn't have got if you if you hadn't have asked a client? Because I think that's so important. So my career started reasonably well in that uh, I had a, you know, a decent wedge of like success in that sort of first six months. Um, and I, I really put that down to two things, which was hard work um, and not knowing anything. Uh, because when you don't know anything, the only thing you can do is ask questions. Um, and it's interesting. We've gone through, well, we've gone through that cycle with home search as well, um, but have hopefully largely avoided the bit where you turn into an asshole because you learn something and you know everything. Um, but we'll see. Uh, and I think the main sort of feedback that I had really early doors, I always lost stuff because I didn't have experience or because I'd not sold anything in anyone's street. Um, and what really challenged me early was I used to accept that. Um, right. And I used to be like, okay, cool. That makes sense. You know, um, then as I sort of grew up a little bit, and this actually helped me win back some of those uh, listings that I'd lost in the first days, I was just like, why did that matter to you over and above everything else that we talked about? Because that would help me learn, you know, and actually help people realize that it didn't matter that much. It was just what the other agent had told them. And they were like, yeah, cool. That makes sense. Experience matters, you know, because we'd agreed on all this other stuff, but you know, I was 22, 23 years old. Um, and the first time I'd been in your street was to go and appraise your house. Um, the next thing that I, I learned really well uh, is I'd started like skirting around things, you know, so delivering bad news would make me anxious, you know, um, but that if you think of that, that language, uh, that was why, because I thought it was bad news. Reality is, it's just the truth, you know, mm -hmm. and telling the truth should never make you anxious. I don't think, you know, sometimes it may not be what other people want to hear, but as you get older and I found that experience is less to do with the way you've sold houses and more to do with how many conversations you've had um, or how many of the same conversations you've had because people have similar reactions to similar questions um, and you can start to empathize and you can start to understand where the objections will come ahead of time so you can preempt them, et cetera. Um, one of the really like crucial bits of feedback that I used to have was, and I'm conscious that I've done this now because I've been talking for like two minutes, uh, was when I started to sell a few houses, I just started talking at people. Mm. So I, I started saying to them, this is what I've sold and this is what I've sold. And I tell them the story of every property I'd ever sold. You know, if I, if I was in the seventh 
appraisal that I had and I'd sold six before, I'd tell them I'd spend 25 minutes telling them six stories, you know, thinking that I was doing a really good job telling them about how we got the Joneses, their result, because we did this and we did this and we did this. And then not without taking a breath, moving on to the next one. Like that matters. Do that in your pre-appointment, you know, send them a story book, let them read through it themselves and then sit down at the meeting. And I, I always used to say, you got all, I used to send this thing called a blue box. So it was everything in there, you know, all about me, my testimonials, which I called brag book, had a couple of chocolates and a handwritten note in it and I'd deliver it before the, the uh, appraisal. And then when I got there, I was like, did you read through that? And everyone said, yes. And I'd be like, great. Cause that was all about me. Today's all about you. And I'd yeah. go through my Sam's service survey, you know, 10 questions like in order that by the time you got to the end, you knew what was important to them, how much they wanted when they were moving and whether they were going to use you or not. And that was my, that, that was the biggest difference was like stop talking and start listening. Yeah, be curious, absolutely. Um, I think, I want to, uh, and I don't know why I skipped over this with the first with the first question, but you got gave loads of value there on the on the, the power of feedback. That that's really important. But he talked about, and I'm a big believer in family business. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, I suppose. But he talked about running a family business, and what I really like about this, and hopefully this is something that can apply to businesses that aren't a family business, but something that we can take from that, is he said, it's run like a democracy, and because they're all equal, everyone has a voice. Now, how yeah. important, if you apply that into a typical estate agency office, that the neg gets a voice just as much as, as, much as the senior manager. And then everyone has a voice and then that's how we achieve, you know, fantastic things by working together collectively, right? Yeah, exactly right. Um, everyone's opinion should be heard for starters. Um, you know, one of the things that like, we, we always talk about ideas, we did this last week. Um, one morning it was um, like pouring with rain uh, and I was running around the car park in my like apartment block to stay out of the rain. I was having a shot with Giles and we had a really good idea. And we jumped on to the team meeting in the morning and said, what do you guys reckon about this idea? And then you couldn't really hear anyone, uh, what anyone was saying. Cause they all were like, blah, 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 blah. Um, not every idea was, uh, I guess, weighted the same. Some of the feedback was better than others, but the point is you've got to give everyone that opportunity, you know, because the moment you don't give somebody a voice, you're going to miss out on probably the key bit of information that's going to help you make the right decision or is the right bit of feedback to take on board. Um, it sounds like Simon and, and his family and his team just have a really sensible business. You know, we said off there at the end, we were like, there was a dangerous amount of common sense in that half hour, you know, um, which doesn't always happen, particularly when the podcast is just you and me. Um, but it, yeah, it, it just sounds like they ask questions, they listen to each other, they hear each other out. They talk about it openly and fairly, you know, I think be fair with other people. They'll be fair to you. Is that, that to me is the main takeaway from this. You know, if you want to sell something, ask questions and make your product fair to buy. You know, if you want to give somebody, ask them what a fair experience looks like to them and then deliver on that over and above. A hell of a principle and one that's pretty easy to stick to. You know, like in your head, you know in your heart if you're being fair with somebody else. You know, if, if you get even remotely that feeling, change course, do something else. And I think, you know, we've talked on previously on this podcast that um, rather than going back to basics, moving forward to basics, uh, estate agency isn't rocket science, but actually, if you do stick to those um, principles that, that Simon talked about, be fair and transparent, don't get them too committed. So you might relate that back to your agency contract, ask for feedback. And then I also really liked um, 
when he, when he talked about when things go wrong, things go wrong, people make mistakes. It's not necessarily about the mistake, but often about how you react that then shapes what he then went on to talk about as the customer experience, having that customer experience and journey right that underpins it. You know, just to talk about it might seem, you know, fairly straightforward, but actually a lot of people just completely lose sight of the customer. And as you said in your feedback piece, start talking about me. And as Chris Watkin would love, my market share, and it's all about me. No, it's not. It's all completely about the customer. You've got to get that experience and journey you know, absolutely spot on so that they then are able to give you positive feedback rather than negative feedback. Mm. There, there was so much that can be taken from Simon's experience as uh, a new supplier coming into an existing industry. You know, he talked about knowing him and his team, knowing what their industry goes to as being pivotal to their quick success. And I think you and I were nodding at that saying like, we don't know whether we would be where we are without that as well. But Take that, take that concept, you know, and put it in the shoes of an estate agent. So take it out of, you know, white hipster tech shoes and put them into black leather shoes for an estate agent. Knowing your market is pivotal, you know. Again, um, if you, if, if, even if you'd never, let's go back to 23-year-old Sam, if you've never sold uh, a property in, in any street anywhere, if you know all the properties that have sold, and you know what their prices were and you know what the average value of that road is and you know what the neighbours are up to because you've been building a database and you've been talking to them for so long. That's knowing your marketplace. You know, that's showing that you understand what needs to be done to do the job, even if you've potentially not done it before. And I think that that's really key uh, for them and is a concept or a principle that can be applied in agency as well, you know. Um, Simon mentioned that there's, you know, in what they're seeing, and I think we agree, you know, you've got really sort of two types of agent. You've got that open, modern entrepreneurial agent that is willing to hear things out. You know, I don't think that they jump in two feet with everything, but they'll look at everything and they'll make their minds up about what it is. And then you've got that traditional, this is the way that we've always done it, style agent. Um, and going back to last part of last year when we were talking to JP, you know, he's looking for those traditional, this is the way we've always done it type agents because they're the ones that are probably going to be looking to sell up as changes come through and the world moves faster and faster away from what necessarily might not be done that way in the future. Um, and as, and it's not just the process that changes because the clients are changing, you know, predominantly a lot of the people who are going to be moving over the next five years or 10 years coming back to the question that sits in front of me every day, what does real estate look like in 2030? You know, those people are, uh, who, you know, the majority of people who move, not just sell and go into a care home or whatever, but move buying and selling in the next decade, are people who are going to be pretty comfortable with technology, who are going to expect constant communication, you know, who are going to want high level reporting and feedback not just people who expect who, who will just think oh yeah they'll come around you know and they'll do a viewing and we'll just sit in the living room as it happens um so again i think the 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 way that you build a prop tech company uh isn't too dissimilar from the way that you build a really good estate agency you know you get product market fit you ask lots of questions you listen to feedback you make it fair uh, and if someone says no that's okay you learn from it you know and you move on to the next one yeah, there's no such thing as a failure, right? It's just a learning experience. Yeah. Um, and and I think you're right. If we go back to that, what does um, real estate look like in, in 2030? I think what Simon talked about in his answer to world-class agency, um, fantastic people. It's a people business, and it will always be a people business. But 
He also talked about embracing the right tech to enable you to deliver the things that the customer starts to expect, the instant access, the reply at 10 o'clock at night. You're not saying that you have to do that, but you have to have tech to enable you you to do that. And then I'm just going to wrap with um, the final thing that you said about world-class agency um, that demonstrates you giving a world-class service is getting recommendations. Yeah. Uh, I think it was for, for someone who didn't know he was going to answer that question, it was a good answer. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know um, coming back to treating people from right from the first time they contact you, giving them the right experience, nice little plug, uh, give them the data they want instantly. Um, you know, and remember that it's always about people, you know, um, whatever technology you embrace in your business has to be right for the people that are going to be using it, whether that's internal and your staff, whether it's external, the people who are experiencing what the decisions that you've made, you know? So yeah, you've got to make your life easier for your customers. Like how's that for world-class agency? It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think agency is a very you know, straightforward um, process, articulated very well um, by Simon. So a massive thank you, um, Simon, once again for, for joining us on today's show. As you know, we do this. Um, I'm sure you do. You did say this right, by the way, Sam, last week. So I'm very impressed. I've heard it um, as, you know, we, <laughs> as you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it get better. Um, please like, share, review some of your, your favorite episodes. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Samantha. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next week.